0: Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. Creative Pep Talk exists to help you fulfill your creative destiny. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza, and you can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. Yo, listen, quick announcement. Go get your tickets to the Creative Works Conference in Memphis this October. Go to conference.creativeworks.co to go check out the lineup. Go snag your tickets. I'll be there. I'm going to be, uh, I'll have a Creative Pep Talk booth and be hanging out with my MFBA students and all that jazz. And uh, the lineup looks pretty tasty. We've got lots of creative pep talk friends we have uh guests from the show eric marinovich uh, i know dan christopherson's been on here jen Masari, meg lewis laura b ghostly ferns crew uh, nate utesh who is metavari and has a lot of the tunes on this podcast is going to be there it's going to be amazing lots and lots of my friends let's go hang out eat barbecue salads and, and then also all beer and whatever kind of barbecue and burgers. It's going to be great. Go get it. Go get your ticket now. It is such a good time. You won't regret it. Conference.creativeworks.co. So a problem that I'm sure a lot of you have that you guys can relate to is not having customers and fans that are deeply passionate and raving about your creativity. Like I'm sure we've all been in places where we're not happy with the level of engagement and interest of our audience. We're not happy with the following on our platforms. We post stuff and people seem to be like, "meh, whatever, kind of cool." People get tired of the art that you're doing. Uh, you know, we've I think we've all as creative people been in those places. And it's incredibly discouraging to be making creative work that you put your heart and soul into and people just don't seem that interested. And then even further than that, than just, you know, putting yourself out there and not having a a response that is satisfying, but also taking it one step further and because of that, not getting clients, not getting work, not getting paid, not making money because people aren't raving about what it is you do. You're having a difficulty breaking into that stratosphere of people being passionate about your creative work. And that sucks. That's a place that no creative person wants to be. And this episode, the core idea of this episode is supposed to speak to that problem. And if you don't get anything and you only get one thing from this episode, listen to this. It's not all about you. Your creative work, the purpose of it, the potential of it, the power of it, PPP words, lots of P words for some reason. Uh, The the power of it is in providing real value for your audience. And I've talked about it on the podcast before. I will talk about it again because business – is defined by providing value in exchange for money. And creative people, I think, the creative people that understand that it's not all about them, it's not about just enjoying the process of making and satisfying yourself, the people that understand that it's not just that, it's not just about your gift, it's also about your audience are the same people that thrive in business but the creatives that fail to understand the ability to provide consistent, trusted value in their work. Those creatives are the people that don't ever get anywhere and the ones that do get places are just random lottery winners uh, that that rarely can sustain a career, even if they do get lucky and for some reason the culture, uh, you know, the art piques the culture's interest for a season or a period of time. And so this episode is about this idea, your art and your, if you want to make a business out of your creativity, Your creative, the value of your creative work cannot just be for what you get from it. It can't just be all about you. You can't create a creative business just because you like making music, you like being on stage, you like drawing. That's not enough to create a business. And uh, I think that one thing that happens is... uh, Or when I ask creative people and I say, you know, what does art do for you, uh, or or why do you want to make this creative work into a business, their answer is always the same. It's I like to draw. (laughs) Like their answer is I like doing it. So that's why I'd like to turn it into a business. That's why I think it should be a business. That's the driving engine behind turning this creativity in the business is that I like it. I want to do it. But imagine if it wasn't me asking you this question, but it was a banker and you are trying to get a business loan and they say, uh, well, what's your, uh, why are you starting this business? And your answer was, I like doing it. Like, the, that is not how you're going to ask someone who has the potential to give you money because they believe in this business. They want to hear, why do you think this should be a business? Why do you think this will provide enough value to customers that people are going to buy this thing? And if you have a deep-seated why of this drive of, I want to do this work, for other people, and they are going to love this because of the value, that's when you start tapping into what makes a great business. But if your answer to the banker is, I want to do what I love, uh, they're not going to give you the business loan. And you say, uh, well, okay, you want to do this business, you want to make it a business because you love doing it, Uh, what's your business plan? And your only business plan is, well, uh, I figure if I build it, they will come. If I make the work, if I'm really, really good, it will spread itself. That's my business plan. Another myth of the artist just doing what they love, build it, and they will come. This idea that it's all about them and their gift and that everything magical flows out of that. And so uh, the banker says, well, have you had any success getting this out there? Like, how are people responding to what you're doing? And uh, you say, well, I've been doing this creative business. I take photos of it, and I put it on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of harsh criticism, but I've been told to ignore the haters. And so I think that, although there is some truth to these ideas of doing what you love, there's truth to great work spreads, there's truth to, you know, you build it and they will come, and there's truth to this idea that, uh, that you shouldn't give too much weight to the haters, all contributes to the myth that your creative work is all about you And your gift. And for the past couple episodes of this Creative Destiny series, we've dove really deep into the magical, mystical journey of finding your gift. And we've been celebrating it. And it is magical and it is amazing. And it is 50% of your creative destiny. But the problem is when you go out there onto the road, you go out on, you start your journey to go find your gift the elixir at the end of the journey, the thing that makes you the chosen one. When you get to the end of that journey and you find the elixir and the whole experience has been just absolutely magical and there's this mystical quality of finding your gift. And when you find your gift, you're tapping into that that otherworldly nature of your creative superpower. It feels so magical and mystical that you think that everything is just gonna work out and everything's gonna be fine and being profitable will just all kinda happen naturally because I'm in touch with my gift and the magic of the gift. We think at the end of the road, we find the elixir, we throw the ring into the volcano at the end of the movie We think because we're in touch with the magic of all of that and we can feel how powerful it is that the giant eagles are going to come and take us all the way back home. They're going to help us bring the elixir back home. Gandalf's going to send the eagles. But the truth is, in my experience, that when the magic ends, when you find the gift, the magic part of your journey ends and the practical, pragmatic, Hands to the till, dirt, smart business begins. And the journey home to bring this elixir back, to bring it home, is a journey of humble work and business and being smart. And that although the gift is supernatural, it's being expressed in the natural, in the laws of our physical realm, in how this world works. And I think about it like Suburban Commando. Uh, this, is a, <laughs> this was a movie from the 90s that Hulk Hogan plays an alien, and he lands on Earth, and he has to save Earth. And uh, he can't do everything like an alien because he needs this family to help him save Earth the world so he has to be accustomed to how this world works and in our world world right now succeeding with your gift fulfilling your journey fulfilling your calling requires an understanding and a mastery of business so you are Hulk Hogan the alien with the supernatural strength and gift that creativity But you still got to figure out how things are done on Earth if you're going to succeed in your journey. And so maybe you're one of these folks who has tapped into their supernatural creative abilities. And that's great. That's fantastic. But the sad truth is that Gandalf is not sending those giant eagles. And if you're going to find the way to bring this creative elixir to an audience that needs it, you're going to have to learn how to provide consistent business, consistent value because the, the, the foundation of business is the ability to provide consistent value for money. And creativity does not live on the outside of this if you want to be thriving as a business. If you want to just make art and have a great time, you don't care if it succeeds in in business, you don't care if it ever reaches an audience, you don't care if you make the best art in the world and it's only appreciated after you're dead, don't listen to this episode because uh, that's not what we're going to be doing here. So we talked about why this idea is so important. We always start there. Why this is going to solve problems that you have. You know, you have this problem. You don't have as many passionate customers and fans as you want. And therefore, you're you're not able to either convert those to sales or have the career that you'd like, you're not fulfilled or you're not making enough money, you're not getting the clients you need because you don't have the traction with the audience. And that's why we're talking about uh, the fact that it's not all about you. So we talked about why. I want to talk about what exactly what I mean by providing value on a consistent basis Uh, And then in a minute, we'll talk about how you can actually do that uh, and then we'll wrap it up. But what I want to talk to you about next is what, what is this? What does it mean? I told you that the idea of business, the definition of business, uh, of successful business is consistently providing value that equals trust, that equals uh, customers, If you create consistent value, people will trade you money for that value. And uh, I'm going to get deeper into what I mean by that value uh, in a minute and how you can provide it. But basically, there's only a few types of value. They all speak to our basic core human desires. And uh, there was a book called Drive by these Harvard business professors who identified four of them. And then Josh Kaufman in the book, The Personal MBA, added one more. But these are the essential types of value There's, you can, um, that you can trade for people's money. People will pay to feel something. People will pay to learn something. People will pay to collect things. People want to bond and people will uh, pay to defend and keep what they already hold dear, whether that's ideas or, uh, or their stuff, you know? Um, and so those are the five types of value that get traded for money within the confines of business. And creative people are providing, successful creative people are creating value within those buckets, consistently to the point where they can create a business around it. And uh, what do I mean by that as an example? As an example, if you go to the ice cream place and that day they're only serving hot dogs, you never go back to that ice cream place, right? Because you had an idea of the type of value that you were looking for And it could have been several layers. The more value you compound, the more valuable your business is. But, you know, you were hoping to fill your belly with uh, some extra food. Maybe you were a little bit hungry. Probably more likely you wanted the uh, pleasure centers of your brain to make you feel good as you were eating that sugary substance uh, there might have even been other layers of feeling like going to this particular ice cream spot helps you in your social status, so it makes you feel uh, better. And if you don't know why I would go down that, that uh, line of logic, there's a ice cream place in uh, Columbus called Jenny's, and it's super Uh, amazingly delicious but also super cool so some people might feel like it's the spot to be seen um, or they like the design of the place and it just feels hip so that makes them feel hip but there's all these levels of value that they're buying into If so if some point you go to Jenny's and they're only selling hot dogs and the design is ruined and they have tacky furniture all of the consistent value that they've Uh, delivered and that you've been trading for is gone, you never go back to that place and therefore they cease to be a business. And uh, you're going to see this even within creativity. The bands that succeed over the long term, over a lifetime, have to figure out how to provide consistent value. Uh, You know, I think if you look at bands like Radiohead, even though they change things up every album, one of the things that you can trust from them is innovation and change. Like a lot of people that dig their stuff, dig the fact that every time they get one of those albums, they know it's going to still be great songwriting, but hopefully also consistently innovative sound-wise. Now, I personally am not a Radiohead fan. Uh, now, I don't send me hate mail. It's just not my vibe. It's a little too angsty for me. I like, you know, stuff like Sigur Rós and Passion Pit and uh, happy stuff. Uh, but, but, uh, but And I don't like Sigur Rós's sad albums even. Um, anyway, that's another topic uh, for another day. But even uh, innovation and change... And surprise can be something that you can be trusted for and provide consistently. Consistently be inconsistent. And they can trust you for that. But I think ultimately every business is going to have to figure out how to provide the perfect balance of surprise and uh, certainty. Because we those are two uh, fundamental experiences that we're going to look for as humans we need the consistency from the business that's paramount if you provide consistent value then you're going to win but if you're providing consistent value in the world of feeling like if you're a comedian because consistent value also looks like an element of surprise because if you tell the same jokes over and over and over uh they're no longer going to deliver that value because part of the laugh, uh, part of the enjoyment, part of the feeling that you're delivering requires surprise because that element of surprise is part of what delights us. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why bands need to consistently provide what we look to them for all the while mixing it up to enough of a degree that it's not familiar and doesn't tickle our surprise necessity. And so I tell you all of that because some of you are going to think, Well, you can't just provide consistent value because that's not, I'm not the artist that's just going to do the same thing every time. I'm not saying make the same album over and over. I am saying that Radiohead delivers a similar emotional state album to album, both in uh, their surprise with their innovation, that feeling of surprise, but then also that feeling of angst. That's pretty consistent. And I think uh, I've, I've loved following Modest Mouse because they provided the right balance of consistent uh, delivery of value with enough of new freshness that kept it interesting album to album. It's like, for me, I'm addicted to any art form that gives me that joy, uh, the joy and the um, the feeling of everything's in its right place. Not to go back to <laughs> that's a Radiohead song, but everything in its right place. That feeling of being one with the universe, uh, everything making sense, joy. Uh, so much joy that you cry, like joy tears. Any art that gives me that, I am so addicted to, but I'm also sensitive to the fact that there's a shelf life for every album, every movie, everything. So I'm always having to find new expressions of that feeling. And the bands, like, if Sigur Rós could have maintained, um, if you don't know, Sigur Rós is just this band that um, is from Iceland, and they make this atmospheric... Um, happy, moving, cinematic music, and uh, if they could have maintained some of that energy from album to album, past uh, the album tack, and then the one that was after that, I would have been diehard for the long term. If you could consistently deliver that value, um, I'm gonna be in forever. That's what I love about Pixar. I feel like Pixar does such a phenomenal job of delivering great storytelling. The things that stories do to us, where they take us on this emotional roller coaster, uh, but ultimately remain satisfied at the end, that's both surprising and satisfying at the same time. I love Pixar for that reason. And that's why they're such an incredible business. And so uh, that's kind of what I mean by providing consistent value. And so quickly, I just want to run through The five types of value, and I'm sure there are things outside of this, but this is a great framework for understanding the various types of value that you can provide with your creative work. I just want to kind of list them all, explain a little bit about what they mean, how they relate to creative work, and and kind of a little bit about how you can imagine doing that. Now, the more clear you are on what type of values that you're trying to provide, The more value you can add, the more various types of value you can add, the more you can maximize your ability. If you know what you're shooting for, it's so much easier to hit the target. Uh, And so if you know what you're trying to deliver to your audience, you're going to be way better at delivering it more consistently. Uh, You're going to be better at basically a successful business is just having more wins than loses. It's not knocking it out of the park every time. And so if you know that you're trying to make people laugh with your work, then uh, you're going to be better at doing that. If you think that you can make them laugh and learn something at the same time, so feel and learn, you've just doubled the value of your offering and you're going to be uh, better at gaining traction if you can consistently do both. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Uh, The number one thing and the one that I think is the most relevant to most creativity is this value of feeling something like laughing, crying, nostalgia, uh, being feeling hopeful about the future. Like there's all all the spectrum of feelings, even being uncomfortable, even being anxious, even all of that. If, you, if art can make us feel almost any feeling at all on command, we can trust that this director knows how to create a movie that makes us feel afraid. We will go see all that person's work, every movie that they make, if we know that they're good at delivering that value. Um, and so it almost doesn't matter what kind of feeling you want to make people feel with your work as long as it works. Because we all want to feel things and uh, i think most creative people at best are trying to go for making their peers feel jealous about how amazing they are and uh, most regular people don't care how insanely perfect your lettering is if it doesn't say anything that makes them feel something And so uh, the first kind of value that you can provide with your creativity is really making someone feel something. And I mean it, I don't mean in a passive way. I don't mean like kind of make them feel something or this could make, could inspire them to feel wonder or whatever. I mean, the more you can surefire, knock it out of the park, if you can get, if you can elicit a physical response, like a laugh or a cry, or, uh, you know, tear, whatever it is. Those are the most valuable feelings. The more, the stronger they feel it, the more value, value you're providing. You should go check out Frank Chimero's uh, talk on the shape of design. You can just go uh, Google that. His last name is C-H-I-M-E-R-O, and that's a talk... Uh, largely about this idea of design's ability to inspire delight in people and how powerful that is. Um, and he goes into a lot of different aspects of that that are really helpful. So I'd go check that out. Um, but just think about the people at the top, the people that you're going to, uh, you know, if, if when I'm on Instagram and I scroll through and see Gemma Carell's, one of her comics, I, and I actually laugh out loud. I'm 10 times more likely to tell my wife to show her my phone and say, look, free value on Instagram. You should be lapping this up. Obviously we don't talk in those terms, but that's what we mean. Hey, free laughs from this person. All you have to do is trade them for your attention. That's when it gets really valuable, but it doesn't have to be laughing. It doesn't have to be crying. If you want to inspire nostalgia, you know, one of the things I think about in terms of like people that design characters for video games, characters uh, in movies, um, characters in, in like Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know much about that, so I'm sure I'm just going to get myself in trouble. But in my mind, uh, a great superhero or fantasy character one that inspires both nostalgia in me, something that feels like when I was a kid, things that I liked, and then like taking what I liked as a kid and just up in the ante and the power, like, you know, these characters have like superpowers that I never dreamed of, makes me excited, like firepower that I couldn't have only imagined or just look so BA and slick and like hardcore that I'm like, yeah! Like I still get like that, even though I'm like a, a guy who makes like, modern, influenced, uh, (laughs) cute, sometimes psychedelic work, I still can get into that character stuff. But the more you can like up the ante in terms of uh, feeling, even on that level of just nostalgia or uh, that's BA or whoa, that's hardcore. Like all of those are feelings that you're able to provide with your creative work. And I think in creativity, in terms of delivering value, Feeling is probably the, at the top of the list. Now, I think uh, number two for me is creativity has a unique ability to, ability to help us learn stuff, right? So like um, art and illustration and movies and you know all of these things have the ability to teach us things in ways that are more potent like an illustration can really illuminate a topic in a way that uh, words can't do, just plain speak. Uh, you know, metaphors, poetry, all of that can illuminate a topic uh, in a way that helps it click in our minds, that helps us learn Um, Even a picture can help us engage with a topic that we wouldn't have engaged with previously in terms of uh, film and movies. Something that's entertaining us and moving us can also teach us new things that um, we never heard of before. And even like, you know, in obvious ways, this could play out in your work. Like uh, there's a guy who, um, uh, a guy I've worked with and a friend of mine online, James Olstein, does this project where he shares a science fact Uh, like once a week with his illustration and then the fact is in the caption in Instagram, that's a way of providing free value week to week because you learn something by following him. And that consistent value is one of the reasons I follow follow him on Instagram. Right? Because it's free learning in my Instagram feed, along with making me feel something with the art. And so it's like compounded that. But even in a different way, like a filmmaker could take all of his expert knowledge of his dad's job in physics, and for whatever reason, this person knows so much more about physics than your average Joe, put that into a movie, and now they're feeling and they're learning. At the same time, and that feels like extra layers of value. So, you can do it in an obvious way. You could make a documentary uh, film about something that teaches people, or you could put that learning and inject it into your stories and mix it together with a crazy, you know, value uh, baby of learning and feeling at the same time. And so there are plenty of ways to inject both of those. Now, the third one that we can speak to is this idea of collecting. Obviously, creative work is ripe to speak to that human desire of collecting. We like to amass things like it's an innate human thing to store for the future, to surround ourselves with beautiful objects and creativity. You know, with your enamel pens and your figures, you can maximize even speaking to that value and that human desire by creating series of things, collectible things. Um, There's any number of ways that you can speak directly on purpose to people's uh, need and desire to collect things. So there's all kinds of ways of maximizing your creativity for that. Four is bonding. And uh, we want to bond together with other people. And so one of the ways that we bond through creativity is that we like, you know, people that like the same band feel connected to one another. They feel known and they feel like it's part of their tribe. When I was looking, when I was on the market dating, one of my, you know, even not just subconscious, but conscious metrics was... Uh, do they Are they interested in similar music to me? Because I felt like that said a lot about who they were and it was something that we could bond over. And so in your work, as you figure out how to express what it's like to be you... And what you know about the human experience, even things as dumb as coffee, that's why it's so powerful to make work about coffee, because coffee people bond with coffee people. And so you're providing that value of bonding. And if you can even articulate something about the human experience that they didn't see themselves, that makes them feel even more seeing. So when a stand-up comedian or an illustrator or a letterer points out something about you that you didn't recognize, that makes you feel uh, bonded with that person, bonded with people, bonded with your tribe in a new, fresh way. And that is its own type of value. I did a dumb coffee piece on my Instagram. It's probably the most popular thing that I ever posted on Instagram, and I was just drawing me melting into uh, a puddle on the floor because I forgot that I didn't have coffee in the house when I woke up, and that's just the worst feeling in the world if for, for coffee drinkers, and people just went wild for that because you know that human experience, and it felt, you feel that bonding with that person, and you feel that delight of, I never noticed that before, so it's another value baby making people feel and bond at the same time, which sounds weird. That sounds like you could go down that track and get into a whole different mess of delivering value. Anyway, it's getting too, too weird. But even further, you can if you can help communities form around the work that you do or the things that you love through your creativity, creating events uh, around these things and getting people actually to bond over your creativity, that Maximizes the value that you can deliver. All right, we better move on from this bonding one because it's getting too strange. Uh, number five is defend. It's probably the one that um, for creativity, for a lot of us, is probably the most obscure and the hardest to kind of um, understand how we provide this value to people. Um, but I think, you know, the idea of providing a value that helps people defend what they already have can mean. Uh, insurance, like I want to keep my house so I pay for the value of you saying you're going to protect my house or even an alarm system for your house, Uh, but it also can go on an intellectual level where if you are articulating things that help me defend my ideals and ideas if you tell me a poem or a metaphor or an idea, you articulate that in such a way that it helps me defend my position politically, you know, with protest signs uh, or or protest songs or a poem that helps explain why my position is right and defend myself. That's a different type of cr- uh, value that you could provide. So I just have uh, one last thing that I want to leave you with in this idea, this core idea of your creative work. If you want to make it a business, it can't all be about you. You have to be providing consistent value for your audience. But if you can do that and you can do it over, you can put in the time and energy over the long haul. You can create a business around your creativity. But I want to leave you with one last thought. And so, whether you're a B2B or a B2C business, I want you to, I want to encourage you to think about getting more serious about the B to C side of your business. And so if you don't know, B to B means business to business. That's like if you're working with other businesses, if those are the people paying your bills. If you're an editorial illustrator, and uh, th- then a magazine is paying you, that's your customer, which is a business. If you're a musician and you do work for a TV show or they commission you uh, to do a song or they pay for your rights of your song to be on their TV show, that's a business to business interaction. And, uh, whereas if you're a musician and you're selling your music directly to an audience, directly to customers, that's a business to customer relationship. Now, lots and lots of creative people that create a profession out of what they do end up in the business to business scenario. Um, lots and lots of people that end up, um, creating a business around their creativity end up in that scenario. And I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in that place, Uh, to really consider getting into the business-to-customer game. And if you're already in the business-to-customer game, raising your game in that landscape. Let's say you're an illustrator selling prints or a designer, whatever it is, raising the game. If you're a designer, designing a product to sell directly to customers. And there's two reasons why I think this is paramount. Number one is it... Sharpens your craft. There are tons and tons of creatives that are in the business to business world that get so lost and they get so far from the front lines and from the trenches that they all. All they are is ideology and they have no clue anymore if this really works. Like the branding and web developers and all this jazz, they get so deep into the business to business world and so far from the actual consumer that they don't even realize what actually works anymore. They don't know if these theories and ideologies actually work anymore. But if you can create a product that goes right to customers, you can test all of your theories and get better and better and better. And it sharpens your craft and you become more of a master that way. The second thing that it does for you is uh, it proves your worth to the gatekeepers. So the gatekeepers in the B2B world, the business to business, the people that, you know, um, you know, the reason, part of the reason why. Uh, a a show is going to commission you to uh to to license one of your songs to be on a show is because they see you have a passionate fan base. That's part of your legitimacy. That that's part of what makes you legit. So uh, in the same way, if you're an illustrator and you want to get a book deal. Uh, or you want a, a kid's book deal, if you have a passionate, loyal base of fans, a platform online in numbers that shows that people, numbers and comments, you don't have to have a millions and millions of followers, but just a decent chunk of people that believe in what you do, that are passionate about what you do, and they're excited about what you do, you, that's the best argument in the world for a client, for a prospective client to or gatekeeper to give you permission to do work with them. So there's nothing more powerful. And this is the kind of work that if you prove yourself in this way and you deliver consistent value to, to customers and you build up those followers and comments and, and sales, those are your testimonials and nothing's more powerful because all the gatekeepers and clients know they can trust you. It's not a risk. They know that, that your work works. And nothing is more powerful than that in building your business. Now, the second thing, um, well... You know, the other thing I want to tell you is I totally get how dark the vicious cycle is that happens when, you, when you're not connecting to a passionate audience base. So when you don't, uh, when you're on this journey and you find your creative gift and you're, you go into the flow zone and you're just the flow zone. That sounds like uh, something that happens on like a Nickelodeon show in the 90s where they throw the slime all over your head. Uh, The flow zone. But when you're in the flow zone in your creative work, you find your gift, you find that work that just lights you up inside, that you're crazy about, uh, and you're just, it's just this miraculous moment, and then you put it out in the world, and it's crickets, Not only is that just discouraging because you're like, ah, I love this thing. I'm so passionate about it and no one seems to care. Not only is that lack of traction discouraging and, and kind of a letdown, that letdown and that discouragement then starts to seep into the gift It starts to disable your ability to go into the flow because when you're working, all of a sudden you're second guessing it and you're feeling terrible about what you're making. You're wondering if anybody even cares. Sooner or later you give up and you don't ever revisit the gift in the first place. And that is a terribly discouraging place to be. And so today on the show, I want to encourage you, this episode may not be giant eagles that are magic and uh come and swoop you you know you go on the journey you go find your elixir you find your superhuman uh gift as a creative person and it's all this romantic magic of this this it just feels so supernatural and otherworldly there's no gandalf sending you the eagles to bring it back home And this idea of bringing it back home, this idea of humbling yourself and learning how to practically deliver this gift so that it's value and a blessing to your audience is what this episode is all about. And maybe it's not giant eagles that are going to soar you home, but I hope that this episode acts as at least like a donkey that makes the the uh, a donkey that knows the way home. Uh, a donkey and a map that makes it a little bit easier to bring it back home to your audience, to the people that need this elixir, and uh, start and it starts helping you make your way back. And so uh, and the reason is because I know what it's like to be in that vicious cycle when people aren't responding to your work, but I also know what it's like when you finally figure out the ways to compound the multiple layers of value and bring it to a customer base that is deeply passionate about the work that you're doing. And that creates a vicious upward spiral where all of a sudden, when you're in the gift, in the flow zone, making the work, you put it out there in the world, it's met with passion and gratitude. And spiral you on to go back to the zone go back to the flow zone and make your best work ever and do it all over again and go and, and and then you even want to build in extra layers of value because you're you know it's appreciated you know what it means for these people and so you think about how can I add more value that's what's happened with the podcast that's what happened uh, with my illustration work how can I add uh, stuff with illustration where how can I add more Easter eggs into my illustration how can I add in lettering that really uh, speaks some truth truth from my heart? How can I add a caption to this piece of work that speaks some encouragement or bonding? How can I connect deeply? Because you get addicted to that and that is a vicious upward spiral instead of the opposite. And that's the power of gaining traction with your audience. All right, that wraps up this week's episode. I want to say a special thank you to all of you who have been sharing the Creative Destiny series of the podcast with all of your social networks. I see you, I appreciate you. There's really nothing more, nothing better that you can do for Creative Pep Talk then sharing these episodes online with your network and it means the world to me. I see it, and man, i have just the enthusiasm for this series has been through the roof. And so, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing it with all your friends and family. Um, it has just uh, been amazing. And this is a series and a topic that is so interwoven into the fabric of my DNA that uh, man, I'm just couldn't appreciate it anymore. So, thank you, people. Thanks to Yoni Wolf of the band Y for our theme tunes at the beginning and the end of this uh, podcast. Thanks to Nate Utesh for uh, for his band Metavari and all the other tunes that you hear on this podcast. You can hear their stuff at soundcloud.com Metavari Thanks to Alex Sugg. He produces this show and he does an excellent job. Thanks, Alex. And uh, hey, thanks to you guys, dudes. I could not be more passionate about helping you fulfill your epic creative journey. Thanks for listening. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for your next hit, your next dose of the pep, do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.